you're back with the Raven On podcast for Game of Thrones Series 6, Episode 6, Easy Listening Edition. I'm your host, Natalie Behensky, and with me as always, the smooth sounds of Stuart Laid. Over to you, Stu. Hello to all you cool cats out there. We're going to be playing you some all your favourite hits from the Game of Thrones world. That's right, starting with Hodor, Hodor, hold the door. <laughs> And moving all the way back to Don't Kill My Father, Ned Stark. Why are we talking like this? I'll tell you why we're talking like this. This did seem to me anyway to be very much the easy listening episode of Game of Thrones. Certainly certainly compared to the episodes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. This was definitely a breather. (laughs) A breather, exactly. It was, and I was quite, not surprised, I guess, but I ended the episode going... Yeah, fair enough. That was that was an episode, and I didn't hate it. I enjoyed watching it. I yeah, really, it was great. It was I great. really enjoyed sinking into some of those longer scenes. But as I, I sat down to write my recap, I was like, I just don't have the level of emotion that I had last week. Obviously, with the heartbreak of well, exactly, Hodor, yeah. the week before with the triumph of Danny exactly. and, and Brienne and, yeah. and Sansa and John. Me, you know, there was all this emotion, and this week was like, oh. <laughs> I'm that not would... incredibly motivated or incredibly demotivated. <laughs> that was just a pleasant hour of television that I enjoyed watching of a show that I love. Yeah, yeah, which sounds kind of derogatory. I know it I does, don't... and a lot of the a lot of the the commentary online has has felt faintly negative, even when it's not being because it's just like, well, that was an episode of the TV show. That was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing, and it, but it came very much at a time when it should have come, which is midway through the series. Yes, exactly. You know, I actually have... expected last episode to be this sort of episode where they sort of get to the midpoint and sort of start setting up the pieces for the, the back half yeah. of the season. And they kind of decided instead to have that mass- massive uh, dare character death. I, I'm then... pretty sure people would be up to speed with that. I mean, spoiler warning, obviously. Oh, yes, yeah, but... yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't doing a spoiler thing. Right, but, right. You know. but Hodor yes, died, Ho- Stu. Hodor did die. Oh, look, I'm not, I haven't come to terms with it now. <laughs> I haven't come to terms with it. Are we I'm gone? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All we do is fight now, Stu. Why can't we go back to the way it was in the beginning? We was... just don't communicate clearly anymore. Uh, but yes, go on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, um, you know, it, it is the sort of episode that every season of Game of Thrones has and has had in the past where, you know, you just... Move the little bits around the board. Yeah, the cranks kind yeah, of shift. Exactly. And... You, you have you have that sort of map that Davos and and everyone had a couple of weeks ago, where they were moving pieces around the yeah. board. That's literally what the show's doing. <laughs> Just sort of moving everyone to the position where they need to be. But there were some um, good elements, so we'll we'll get cracking to talk uh, about some of those. Um, Sam Tarly, we'll get to him in a bit because okay. I, I want to talk about Sam Tarly and the little the little diversion from Westeros. Into pretty much Longbourn from Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> Jane Austen. It, like, is, yeah. it was a little, it was a little trip into Regency England there for a bit. Yeah. But we'll get to that. I want to start up north of the Wall. I want to start with the return of Benjamin Stark. Yes, he's back. I just, I feel like I should have reacted bigger to that moment. Well, yes, and yet it had been widely predicted. Um, True, like. Everyone had sort of gone, well, you know, Bran's north of the wall. He doesn't have many friends left. Who do we know who's north of the wall? Who, you know, doesn't is, have any is friends related, either. doesn't have any friends either and is out there. Um, 
so that made a lot of sense. Also, apparently in the books, and again, I haven't read the books, but I keep hearing things from them. I feel I feel like at this point, I basically have read the books yeah. without actually having read them. So you do a lot more background I, I do, than I, I do. I do. I do. And I, I, I feel a lot freer to do it now because I feel yeah, like there's yeah. not those spoiler bombs waiting for me. But apparently, this is a bit of a, a spoiler bomb for book readers because there's a character in the book called Cold Hands who is helping Bran and, and Mira north of the wall, but they never, George R. R. Martin never says that he's Benjamin Stark. You know, he sort of dances around who he might be, and there's sort of intimations that he might be very old. He might be a couple of hundred years old. He might be only, like, you know, 50 years old or whatever. Who knows? But he's never actually come out and said, this is Benjamin Stark, but the show has just gone... Well, we're going to have to show his face. So, yes, he's absolutely Benjamin Stark. That's who but he is. But then we haven't seen anyone else helping them out. No. No, no, no. Exactly. Because they haven't done this bit in the books yet, have they? They haven't done all this stuff that's flashbacks. No, but, but, apparently, but apparently there's a character in the books called Cold Hands who does help, who is north of the wall and where you see from stuff from his perspective. Oh, right. Apparently. Oh, okay. I haven't read the books. Wouldn't but... Bran recognise him? Well, you would think so, but he was quite young when he last saw him. And a couple of years have passed, at least. And apparently he is quite changed. Oh, okay. You know, so who knows? Yeah, fair who enough. Who knows? Fair enough. But... Anything yeah. is possible. I, I did enjoy. like his I did like his line, you know, you were just a boy when I saw you last time. And he's like, yeah. And he grew up really fast, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> it was quite the growth spurt. Quite the growth spurt that Brain went through. When he first appeared on horseback, when... And, oh, bless Mira. I mean, there was yeah. Mira just chugging away and... I mean, when you think about it, Hodor's death really wasn't for very much. I mean, we... <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, it was, like, it was, it, it was a, it was a and, delaying tactic and, and did, but it, All it did was buy them a few minutes, yeah. really. Yeah. And poor Mira is struggling along with the, the sled and eventually collapses and is trying to wake Bran out of his trip. Hmm. And <laughs> eventually he just wakes and going, oh, they found us. Then Benjen turns up, as we find out later. You know, Master Rider turns up with a flaming mace. Yes. Goes to town on the Whites. You know, grabs them, puts them on his horse and... As, as, as happens all the time, that old saw. And I thought, and I was like, oh my God, it's Benjen. And then we didn't see his face. And I was like, is it Benjen? I felt pretty confident at that point I that it was Benjen. He then, has a very distinctive profile, that, that actor. And I... Oh, uh, okay. You know, so even yeah, under I, the mask, you sort of... I felt like, like okay. his voice was different. Yeah, like maybe. I couldn't hear his voice. But anyway. And so it was only at the end of the episode that they then had the reveal. Yes. And while that was fine, it was, end, it was, it was, it was, was near the it end. Was it was a big anyway, gap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was near the end yeah. and there was a big gap and I felt that it would have almost been good to have that reveal. To just have that straight away and then, and then deal with it. Yeah. Instead of waiting for and go, Yeah. Uncle Benjamin and then have the discussion about how he got away from the White Walkers and mm. or how he was killed by the White Walkers and then the children of the forest rescued him. Yeah, exactly. So on that point... You can turn a human into a white walker by stabbing them with dragon glass through the heart. But if you stab a human who's been touched by a white walker through the heart with dragon glass, you stop the white walker process. Magic. <laughs> I feel just, I feel like that's the that's the rule, yeah. They're like they got to him before he'd turned into a into like, a zombie. I don't, I don't know if I'm getting it quite the right way, but it feels a little bit like homeopathy. <laughs> what what Causes the problem can also fix it. Yes, exactly. Just diluted. Just diluted. Dragon glass. One thousand times. Yeah. yeah. I might be getting the definition of homeopathy wrong there, and I apologise to all the people who think it's a real thing. <laughs> um, yikes! I'll get letters. Oh dear. I'll get letters. 
Send your complaint letters to other Game of Thrones podcasts. <laughs> They'll know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Mm. What about, though, um, Bran's flashbacks? Because he had a couple of these... he had He had a couple of very... Like, so we saw some stuff we'd already yeah. seen. We saw some stuff we hadn't ever yeah. seen before. We saw the Mad King. It was like a bit of a clip show where they have the clips from yes. the preview. Remember that time we all got stuck on the roof at Thanksgiving? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and so it had all those clips, but it was like... I think there's an episode of The Simpsons when they throw to a clip show of stuff that never happened before. Never happened, yeah. So we saw the Mad King. We did. We did. Um, so we saw Eris um, in his final moments when Jamie's sort of approaching him and going to stab him in the back. And Jamie had the wrong haircut. I'm sorry. Yes. No, you, you're absolutely right. He had the wrong haircut. They, they just shoved Nikolai Costa-Waldau in that scene and said, go for it. Yeah, like put a wig on Just him, put a wig on You're seeing him in a split-second flash. Put a shoulder-length blonde wig on We all have the pause button, people. Yeah, exactly. We can all jog shuttle. That's right. It's the 21st century. <laughs> that did seem like a weird oversight, but I guess they were trying to make sure that you knew it was Jamie. And, and so. also, for some reason, I felt the Mad King was, like, not right He seemed physically. a bit... He seemed to be... Yeah, he, he should have been a lot more emaciated, I thought. Yeah, he I felt that he wasted. should have been... Yeah. Because exactly. by, by the end, he was very much a Howard Hughes-type character. He was like... Yeah, uh, he should have had his feet in tissue boxes yeah, and he bottles was, of his own urine he, hanging He was completely consumed by his madness, and he was all... He was emaciated. He would not he, he would barely eat food because he thought people were trying to poison him and all that sort of thing. So he would have been very skinny. He, and he, he pretty much should have been sitting on the th- throne with a diaper on. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then it would have been more believable. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still good to see. When when he had that flash of the wildfire, do you think that was the wildfire that Ares had ready to use on the people of King's Landing, or do you think that I, was from Series Two when? Well, I, well, well, it's both because that was the that was the wildfire that he'd been stockpiling and that Jamie stopped him from using. Oh right. Um, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. And then, <clears throat> and then they uh, they had been making more. Oh. But it's also a very handy reminder to us at home. That hey, remember wildfire? That's a thing. So it's a thing. Slightly magical, um, and uh, it burns, and we it's do, green. and it burns green, and we do see a lot of um, a lot of shots where Eris is screaming, "Burn them all!" And then we cut to pictures of an army of, of zombies. Now, someone, and I don't know who, um, because I need to go back into all the comment sections today of Facebook and Cheeseburger Gothic. Thank you all for reading my recap as usual. Um, I apologize for not being in there much today, but I will get in there. Somebody I saw briefly was saying that that was actually Bran talking to the Mad King. No, so well, I've seen this to a bit say, around. Burn yeah. them all, so he burns the White Walkers. But the White Walkers weren't a thing during Ares' reign. No, but it does. Well, the theory that I've seen is that it does mean that there's a huge stockpile of of uh, wildfire in King's Landing ready to be deployed against a possible zombie army. Right. Right, in that sort of causality loop that we saw last week with Hodor. Ah. Um, it does mean that you drive a king you drive a king to madness and cause him to stockpile huge amounts of this magical substance that will effectively kill an army oh, of zombies. So it's Bran messing about in the past <coughs> somehow. Yes, possibly. Right. Possibly. That's what, that's what some people have put forward. If it is, that's fine, I guess. I mean, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. I personally am not a giant fan of, of that, if that is the way they're going. Yeah, you know what? I'm um, quite happy with the fact that Ares was like a product of several generations of inbreeding. Yeah. It was just nuts because he exactly. was nuts. Exactly. He just went nuts because, yeah, like there's 
There's a saying in the books that every time every time a Targaryen is born, uh, the gods flip a coin and greatness yeah. and madness. I think it's yeah, been in the yeah, show yeah. as well. Um, you know, and it just came up the wrong side for yeah, exactly. Targaryen. Whereas Daenerys came up Trump's. Oh, did it? Did yes, it, it did, Stu. <laughs> See, Daenerys, she slayed. We will, she she slayed. Yeah, she well, slayed. Well, we'll look, get to that. We will get to that, and I think we'll have some, some discussion. Okay, fine. Let's do it now. Let's skip right ahead and You want do to jump that. straight to the end? Let's okay, do it live. let's do it. We're doing let's it live. Let's do it live. All right. Uh, Didn't it, that was absolutely 100% a supervillain speech uh, at the end of this, this week. No. Yes, it was. I will conquer. I will, no. I will go there. I will tear their houses down. I will rip them apart. And you no, will all help was, me do it. It was Mel Gibson in Braveheart speech. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. That was about freedom. That was saying they can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Yes. She was saying, let's go over there and kill everyone and rip their castles down. That was a supervillain. But speech. she was also saying, "I'm she, not just picking three." Which she was riders, shouting. I'm you all. Which she was shouting in a guttural language from atop a giant, scaly black dragon. Right. Look, look, so now, look, I love Daenerys, but that was a supervillain speech, and she looks like a supervillain right now. She does not look like a supervillain. She kind of does. No, she looks like an awesome queen who slayed. She slayed. But uh, well, she no. Slayed. Absolutely. But I love that there's room for that for both interpretations. Okay, fair enough. Somebody left a comment on Cheeseburger Gothic, I think it was, and kudos to you, sir or madam, because they pointed out, oh, I didn't get it until now, but when Drogo said, my son will be the stallion who mounts the world, like she actually is riding a stallion that's mounting the world and it's Drogon the dragon. And I didn't get that. And I was reading along going, how could you not have gotten that? (laughs) That was Oh, I never got that. (laughs) I never got that either. Good point. Dragon. That is a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, he was a very cool dragon. What? Why did she go? She just kind of rode off towards it, and then somehow she managed to get on the dragon's back, and then take off and fly around a bit and come down. Like, or did she just climb up once he landed? That was the confusing bit for me. Oh no, no, she she was riding him. That's the whole point of that's the whole point of that end scene. That she she went off. She sensed that Drogon was near. Oh right. She rode off and found him got on his back and flew him back and said, hey, you know, because say, say, what, say what you like about Daenerys, but she knows how to make an entrance. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> so true. She's definitely picked up a flair for the dramatic. So, you know. She... Why make a speech on a horse when you can make it on a dragon? It's true. I wish I had a dragon. <laughs> I wish I had Tad Cooper. <laughs> Just Tad Cooper would be fine. I have a dragon. Um, yes, Gallivant got cancelled just as a sidebar. It did, but there's a massive there's a giant, groundswell of support yeah. for Netflix or something, including a lot of up. a lot of reasonably high profile people. Like Mark Hamill was a massive fan of the oh, show and, okay. and retweeted a bunch of stuff and has done like videos supporting. Oh, that's great, Gallivant and stuff. And there's been some other guys as well. So the people who have seen the show, who love the show, love the show. It's that yeah. type of show where if you like it, you love it. I just don't understand how you couldn't love it. Oh. Well, it's not everyone's thing. Some people hate musicals just full stop. They'll see people start singing and they just turn it off. I'm I'm on the fence with musicals. Like, I I, I, I can come and go with sure, some yeah, musicals. Yeah. But Gallivant was just, it's a comedy. It's like, a delight. Forget, it is an utter forget, delight. Don't look at it as a musical. Look at it as a comedy. The, the, then, sing, the singing is a bridge too far for some people. I know that for a fact. It's weird, like but the are, singing is so good because it's the songs are so short. I know. They're yeah, so exactly. punchy. Yeah, they, they, they've done This it. is not Stephen Sondheim, people. They've done you it You don't the have to sit through way. a 20-minute song about pies. <laughs> 
Now look, Natalie. Or another 15 choruses of Into the Woods, Into the Woods, Running Around and Do Nothing. You had, for to, you days. had to bring Sondheim into it, didn't I'm you? I'm sorry, Stu, but he's shit. He's not shit. He, he is, is shit. A, He is a living genius. I don't care. He's terrible. <laughs> And Love Actually is a terrible real. film. <laughs> I never said it wasn't a terrible film. I just said I love it. Anyway. Stu, you disappoint me so much sometimes. We disappoint each other. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> we just don't communicate. We don't communicate anymore. That's it. I'm, I'm taking the microphone. <laughs> Gonna go well, it's your microphone anyway, so you can take it's it. It's actually not. This is a bird. That's, that's true. In good news, though, I will tell podcast listeners, I have ordered our new microphone, mm. which is actually a carbon copy of the Blue Yeti microphone we've borrowed uh, very kindly from uh, Scott and Amy Driscoll, who are friends of mine and uh, very good people. They lent me this mic so we could podcast this year, and we thought, it's so nice. Why don't I just buy that one? Yeah. So that's what, if you have been contributing via the Patreon, mm. some of that money has been, well, will be repaying my credit card for having purchased a new microphone. Yes. It is doing what I said I would do with the money. I'm fulfilling, fulfilling promises. By the way, we are rapidly closing in on doing a live podcasting costume. Uh, so okay. keep pledging, right. people. <laughs> We've still got four more weeks to go. Excellent. So Danny and Drogon, just before she went for her big magic dragon ride, she talked about... Ships, how many ships she would need to get everyone yes. across. And Mario was saying a thousand. About a thousand. If not more. Mm. And she said, who has that many? And he said, no one. And she said, no one yet. Mm. Is that mean? Does that mean she's going to I assume that meant, Yeah, I assume that meant she's going to set people to build a thousand ships. So right, so we've got a race to build fleets from the Greyjoys yes. in the Iron Islands and Daenerys in Essos. Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing more to say about Shipbuilding that. Shipbuilding competition. That, exactly. It's like the White Star Line Atlantic Wars all over again. But also, we also have the uh, complicating factor of Yara and Theon and their fleet. Yes. Um, well... And I think they're going They to... went with a whole lot of ships. Yeah, they basically took the Greyjoy fleet, which was really weird because, yeah, I mean, from what I understand, they took like a bunch of ships yeah. and just left. And I'm pretty sure they were headed for Essos themselves. But who knows? Could save on the construction costs for Danny there. That's true. Given that they're not slaves, you know, she yeah. does have to pay them. That's right. Award <laughs> rates. No work on the Sabbath, all that sort of stuff. Uh, let's go to Aria and Bravos. Yes, which we, had a massive, massive step forward this week. Yeah, finally. Mm. It was it was good. We finally had Aria making some internal decisions, mm. it seems. Yeah, taking back some agency, which I love. And we saw the return of Needle. Yay, Needle! You know, I mean, it's not, it wasn't hard to predict, but I did predict that like, she yeah. would, she'd go back. And there were two Chekhov's guns yeah. in this episode that delivered. One was Benjen. Yes. Because he was lost in the first season. We never knew what happened to him, but he had to come back at some point. Mm. And the second was Needle, which we saw her very last season, I think. Uh, it might even be the season. Oh, it might be last season. Yeah, yeah I think it might she be. had to bury Needle mm. and to become a faceless man. Yeah. But... She threw everything else away that she owned. That's right. She couldn't Except throw a needle, needle away. And it's like, well. It was her one link back to who she actually was. You're coming back to that sword. Absolutely. And she did. Why did she, though? She went uh, to watch more of the play. We saw a different sequence of the play. We saw Joffrey's death in the play. And can I just say, 
I'm so loving. <laughs> I am so loving the mummers. Oh, it's great. It's I, so good. I mean, when I heard there were going to be mummers involved, I just figured, oh, like, you know, a couple of back scenes. But Yeah, they're I, an I, integral part of the plot. And whoever's writing it for them just mm. has done theatre. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Richard E. Grant, sense, yeah. Richard E. Grant having a massive rant about that audience was shit. None of them laughed at Ned Stark's death. They're idiots. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I, I have been in that situation. <laughs> because when you do comedy, Stu, like it's, it's all very well to do a drama where you're sort yeah. of hoping people are quiet and engaged and, and all that sort of stuff. Perhaps even moved. Whatever. <laughs> But when you're doing a comedy and you're like, this is funny, people. Yeah. And then you just don't get the laughs. There's just nothing, yeah. You're like, what? And, and then you, you sort of do all the own self-doubt stuff first, which yeah. is, am I off? Am I, did I not hit that joke right? Did I not? What happened? And when you come to the conclusion that, no, everything I did was exactly the same way as I did it every other time, or I'm, I'm fine, you yeah. have to come to the conclusion that it's the audience. It's the audience's wrong. fault. <laughs> And so you sit there and you just start swearing at them, <laughs> going, laugh, 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 you idiots. What's wrong with you all? And we, we did a show um, last year called Speed the Movie the Play. Yes, a great show. Thank you. It was a wonderful show. Wonder, I'm so proud of it. And, and it was funny and lots of people did laugh. Yes, absolutely. And yes. we, it was, uh, it's the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves that we set on an actual bus mm. and the audiences were the hostages yeah, on the bus. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's so good. Really, really fun. And everyone loved it. Everyone always yeah. had a good time. I remember one show though where the audience just seemed deathly quiet. Yeah. Just and, like nothing would. And, and, and did, we you had, ever, did you ever figure out why? No, because as they all got off the bus and left, because we would, you know, have people at the front of the bus to take photos with them and, yeah. you know, have, have people there by the side to take donations and stuff like that. So people would chat to us and everyone would say, oh, my God, that was so funny. That was brilliant. Oh, I laughed so much. I loved it. Mm. And every one of them got off going, we had the best time. They were just And so we were like, what, what, what happened? Why didn't you? Guys, you might have, some you might have just gone. Some crowds yeah. are just quiet crowds. Yeah, exactly. And as an actor, I once had said, um, which made some people want to punch him because it doesn't quite help. But he is right. You can't hear a smile. <laughs> and some audience. I want to punch that phrase. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. But it is true. It is true. It is true. So someone could be sitting there going, "I am really enjoying this. This is really funny." But if they're not making the barking noise that humans make when we are entertained by something, yeah. you, you, start, you don't know. Oh, yeah. you get so much self-doubt. It's just like, <laughs> what did I do wrong? Or what did I... I'm awful. I'm terrible. You have to understand that actors are just massive narcissists. <laughs> As are stand-up comedians. Just basically anyone who's into putting themselves in anyone, front of a yeah, crowd. Exactly. You know, so like me and you, Stu. <laughs> exactly. If we were to get an iTunes review. We, we, are doing a, we are doing a thing right now where we think that people want to listen to us talk exactly. for nearly an hour about exactly. a show. You know, so, you know, we, we, are, we stand guilty oh, as well. Oh, we're terrible people, Stu. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's not the same, though, quite the same, because there's no live audience responding to it. So if we were to do a live podcast like yes. in front of an audience, right. which I'd be happy to do, by the way, if anyone wants to do that, let's meet at a pub. I would be happy to do that, but if you just had a bunch of people sitting there kind of looking sort of stony-faced at you, you'd yes. start to get really nervous. See, Absolutely. we're just having a conversation. There's no, there's no interactive aspect to this podcast. We so. make each other laugh, yeah. and we hope that that makes people who are listening laugh as well. That's right. But if they don't, 
we go about our day. Exactly. We don't have that awful judgment hanging over us <laughs> unless they sent us horrible Twitter messages or something, which they might choose to do. But when you're in front of a live audience and nobody's laughing, wow. That's right. I, I can only imagine the sucking silence. It that, hurts. Yeah. So I totally sympathize, to get back to the point, mm. Richard E. Grant. Having <laughs> He's his very brand, angry. He, oh, I just, I'm adoring him. Um, and Essie Davis or Miss Fisher mm. as Lady Crane, I think is her name. Yeah, I think that's the, uh-huh. the name of her character, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the name of her character in the play. No, no, no. The, well, the, the, her, her character in Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Okay. I, we have multiple we're levels going, of yeah, reality here. We're going so. Hamlet play within yes, a play at this yeah. point. But she is so lovely and... Yeah, know, she is. And, and she has that interaction then with uh, Arya where she sort of notices Arya, which shouldn't happen. But Arya isn't really particularly good at being an assassin, apparently. Is that what it's supposed to be? She's supposed to... Oh, yeah, because the waif gets in and around. Yeah, exactly. She's meant to be invisible, basically. But because her head's all over the place, uh, Essie Davis kind of notices her and says, Oh, you were at the the thing yesterday, weren't you? And she's like, yeah. And she kind of feeds her a story about, you know, oh, she's been sneaking in to see the play and all that sort of thing. And she sees a bit of herself in her and sort of says... And they have that discussion about the character, about the queen. And there's, mm. you get the sense that Arya, that Essie Davis or Lady, Lady Crane. Miss Fisher. Miss Fisher. Call her Miss yeah, Fisher. Miss Fisher. Helps Arya to sort of see and sympathize with Cersei, which is something that I think she had never, ever considered that she would be able to do. Yeah. You know, she sees, she, it's that wonderful thing of drama being able to give you an insight into, into the human condition. She sees that and she's able to put herself in Cersei's shoes in that situation. And she even says, like, she can, she says, I know Cersei, and she doesn't come out and say that, but she says, you know, the queen loved her son more than anything. She would be furious. She wouldn't just be sad. She would be angry mm. that this had happened, and she'd want to do something to the people who, yeah. who had done this to her. And in that moment, I think Arya gets a real insight into who Cersei is. Yeah, through a bad monologue. Yeah, through a bad monologue, exactly. (laughs) Oh, there is no tomorrow. My heart is filled with such sorrow. But I think, yeah, but I think that that monologue is actually really interesting to me because that's a that's a character that's an actress playing a character playing another character and having to pitch it so that like it's a good performance but not like a stellar performance. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's, when you have like, to intentionally act. Yes. Yeah. Like, like she, obviously. She's, she's Not even badly, but obviously. In that scene, her character is acting. Mm. You know, and that's that's so difficult to pull off properly. And she nails it. She mm. absolutely nails that scene. It's incredible, actually. I, I, that was one of my biggest highlights of the episode was how much she just nailed that scene. And then Arya reacting to that that she was really touched by her performance. Mm. That was that was incredible. It was really and good. Of course, Arya noticed that the Sansa actor was standing behind her, mouthing the lines mm. along with her. Almost like she was preparing. Yeah. Which is the most blatant bit of understudy work <laughs> you've ever seen. Just like... And there, yes, I thought that was quite funny. And my apologies to everyone. I said in my recap that... Aria poisoned her wine, but of it's course a she's, a she's a rum drinker. Very sorry, I got that wrong. 
That's it. I feel it's, invalidated. Yeah, invalidated. Everything you've ever written is invalidated. I feel, I feel like it's too late to go and change that now because there's too many comments <laughs> saying it was rum, not wine, that if I changed it to rum, people will just look silly. And sure. I don't want to make people look silly. Absolutely not. They've raised a, a, a good point. So Aria does poison her wine. That's now, it. I forget. Did she poison it just before she spoke to her? Yes. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So it was after she spoke to her that really that conversation affected that change. That's right. Exactly. And, and, then, and so Aria decides, no, I can't do this anymore, and I can't let I can't let this person kill yeah. you. Yeah. And she, there's all these moments where Lady Crane is about to sip her. Wine <laughs> yeah, they, just, they, they do that. Yeah. You know, and she's trying to talk to Richard E. Grant about script edits, and then he says this classic line, which I love: "You have no right to an opinion." And I was like. <laughs> Oh my god, that's a director. Oh. <laughs> Such a director. Even if you never say that yes. as a director, part that's of you is always thinking it. <laughs> Which is like, look, I love you, but you're a walking, talking prop. That's right. You're a puppet that I make dance. Dance my way, <laughs> or I'll get mad. <laughs> no, that's not true. You can't. You know, you can't do a show in real in realistic sure. terms. You can't do a show without everyone it's a having input. Yes. But it was just such a directorial yes. kind of stereotype. And, and those those types of directors tend to crop up in an amateur sort of theatre. Oh, occasionally, like you'll, you know, yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. get one. So. It's harder and harder though because. People are so much more touchy-feely these days. And yeah, people won't stand for it. That's right. People exactly. will just go, I'm not working for you. I yeah. want to be able to explore my character. <laughs> you have a director just going, walk to the mark, say your line, do it again. Tism reference there for everyone. Then, you know. Anyway, what am I talking about? Uh, yes, Aria. So Aria. she knocks the rum out of Lady Crane's hand, says, watch out for her. She wants you dead. Mm. And then buggers off. And then leaves a very awkward situation and leaves. And then the waif just turns up and walks, sort of follows her out. And, and she'd been monitoring her, obviously. Yeah, and she goes back and reports like the goody two shoes that she is. Is she the new Ollie for you? I feel like, well, well, I mean, the show has explicitly been setting her up as a as an antagonist, I think. Yeah. Like, it's definitely, she's an obstacle that Arya has to overcome. Well, um, now, you... Get to a point that's interesting because mm. a lot of people have been commenting on the Facebook page, I think, about how ish is this Arya actually failing and saying, no, I'm going to not- be a faceless man, or is this in fact her final test? That's what people have been saying. Like, is this her final test and she'll get into the faceless men having, if she... another faceless person? Yeah, so if she kills the waif, that's like passing a final test. For for me, my reading of it, and I'm not. I'm not saying those people are wrong. That they could turn out to be right. Game of Thrones is a weird, twisty, turny show. But it makes more sense from a character perspective, to me anyway, that Arya is rejecting the faceless men's teachings because she realizes that she can't be no one. She's Arya Stark, mm. right? And I, I think that's what I want too. Yeah, I know. I exactly. want it to be that simple because there wouldn't be like there would be there would be almost. And some people have said, oh well, that would negate the point of going and. Being with the faceless man. And that is true. But she had to to get a training somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm sorry. She had to become a badass somewhere. And, you know, there were very limited options for her. So why not go train with a bunch of super assassins, learn all their skills, and then reject, like, Batman style, Christopher Nolan Batman style, reject their their thing at the last minute and go and do your own thing? Also, The Wizard of Oz is essentially one girl doing a whole lot of interesting (laughs) stuff to find out she just wants to be boring at home. That's right, exactly. 
So a lot of great yeah. journeys are a lot of faffing about for no real reason. That's right. Exactly right. Why should Arya Stark be any different? And the, the show is obviously setting up because the wife then goes back to Jack and Hagar or, you know, the, the, the man and says... It's Jack and Hagar. Is it Jack and Hagar? It's Jack yeah. and Hagar. And, and says... He, he was looking a bit sexy this episode because <laughs> I've warmed to him in the sexiness stakes. Yeah. But when he's, like, skinning... Like, I feel this is true for anyone. If you're skinning a guy's face off... <laughs> yes. It's kind of always going to bring you down a couple Absolutely. of sexy yeah. points. Yeah. Mm. That's just a general... Can't, point. can't be avoided. It's yeah. just a thing. Um, but... He then sends uh, the waif after Arya. He says, oh, well, you know, the girl had a lot of potential, but you'll... I don't think he says you'll have to kill her, but we definitely... No, because him... she says you promised me. Yeah. Basically, like, exactly. you, you promised me I could go kill her when she yeah. failed. When she failed, like I said she would. Yeah. So, obviously, we have this conflict coming between the waif and Arya Stark, and I guarantee you, at some point during that conflict, Arya is going to have a hero moment where she says to the waif, before you were fighting no one, now you're fighting Arya Stark. Ah. Right? I guarantee you that line is Can coming, and it's going to be that? awesome. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Oh. Yeah, they'll say, who are you? Or what's your yeah. name? And she'll go, Arya Stark. Arya Stark, and then run needle right through it. You know what? I think you're probably right. But maybe I'm completely wrong, because that is the sort of thing that Game of Thrones does, is it? takes those expectations and just turns yeah. them to ashes in front of you. They might kill Arya next week. Who knows? Maybe they will. They're not going to kill Arya. Maybe they will. Who Can knows? You imagine? I mean, they killed Hodor. And I know that they killed Ned. And I know that they killed Rob. And I know they killed Catelyn. And look, I know I've said this every time a beloved person has died and then they've end up, <laughs> they'll never be killed. <laughs> and then they end up killing. But I just feel like they can't kill Arya. It would be a giant narrative dead end to suddenly kill Arya and go, <laughs> well, that was fun. Uh, let's go to King's Landing and talk about the Sparrows v. Yes. Tyrell the, Lannister the, Coalition. The anticlimactic uh, confrontation, yeah. which is just has all the air taken out of it in quite a, quite an ingenious way, in a way that we didn't really see coming. Yeah. Like we were expecting some sort of weird ambush, or it was all going to end horribly, and it Blood does kind streets. of end horribly, but... Only for the it Tyrells ends, and the Lannisters. It ends it horribly really... in a diplomatic way. Yes, exactly. It's a cold war, not a hot war. Yes. With uh, the High Sparrow now basically the left hand of the king and in charge and more powerful than he's ever been. Mm. What do you make of Marjorie? Do you think that she is playing a long game? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think a lot of people this week, I've seen a lot of commentary online in forums and even in reviews where people have said, oh, I think... Um, that they're taking her at face value and they're saying, oh, well, she's converted now. And that's, you know, I think that's terrible for the character. I'm like, Marjorie's been playing the long game since the beginning. Like, there's no way that she would just suddenly go, yep, I'm a terrible person and I'm going to... But why bring Tommen into it? That's my thing. I can understand her playing the long game with the High Sparrow, but she gets to see Tommen, or Tommen rather gets to see her for the first hmm. time. And she's all very... Well, he's the king. And her husband. So she's got to pull him along with her. Yeah, well, he's the key to getting out of that place. And she doesn't have to do the walk of shame. True, true. And she then consolidates power and she gets to be the queen and she can deal with the sparrow later. Mm. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Like, like it, well, it does, but I just, I, for some reason I found myself going, because Tommen is clearly genuine then. He's yes, been... Tommen, Tommen is just a dopey kid who is, will do whatever. He's a squeaky voice kid. My people, well, listen to what I'm saying. We need to make the special sauce. Put this mayonnaise <laughs> in the sun. He really 
really did. He was so sweet. He's so sweet. He's just the sweetest kid. The um, crown and the faith are the twin pillars yeah. on which the population he, rests. He's the one who has no depth. He he absolutely is face value. Everything he says is face. He doesn't have a duplicitous uh, bone in his body. Yeah, yeah. But he's Marjorie very sweet does. And naive. Marjorie is not sweet or naive. True. But it was it was funny seeing Lady Elena get caught flat-footed. They've beaten us, you idiot. She <laughs> looks so righteously pissed off. I loved it. She was like waving her fan going, oh, And Mace, I loved Mace. Mace's speech. Oh, his speech oh, was, was incredible. just brilliant. And Jamie is like doing the whole, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> wow. I love how he play, how that actor plays Mace Terrell as yeah. well. Because he's meant to be competent. He's not meant to be a buffoon. No. But he is pompous and silly. He's a, he's a silly he's man. He's what you'd call a ridiculous man. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's Mr. Collins from Pride and Prejudice. That's if, right. I can, if I can throw in another Jane Austen reference. <laughs> he's fine at his job. He's got a basic level of yes. intelligence. But he he's just, just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he's ridiculous, and he doesn't he doesn't realize how ridiculous he seems to other people. <laughs> His mother does. That. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> it was a great episode for Jamie's facial expressions. Yes, a lot, a lot of a lot of one. MVP for facial expressions. He was looking at Tom and like going, "Oh, why are you doing this?" <laughs> the way he rode his horse up the stairs. Oh yeah, too. oh yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I'm badass. Yeah. We saw it. We saw I'm a riding flash. a white pony with my <laughs> shiny gold hand. I'm badass. We did see a flash of the old Jamie Lannister there, like the the showy Jamie flashy mm. Jamie Lannister. And then he gets uh, sent off to the Riverland to deal with the blackfish. To deal with mm. the blackfish, which is interesting. I had a moment when Tommen was going, "Oh, you'll serve the realm, you know, better somewhere else." Yeah, I had this. I had this moment of going, "Are they going to send him to the wall?" Oh no! Because <laughs> that's what you know historically, you know, has has been known to happen. Is yeah, like, no, well, it's a possibility. But I realise that obviously they wouldn't send him that far. He hasn't been. He's not being punished. No, he's just that's right. He's diverted. been reassigned. Yeah, exactly. And so this is a, an interesting assignment for him, for me, because he's heading towards River Run. He sure is. And Brienne is heading towards right. River Run, and they might meet. And what if Tormund was there? <laughs> Some sort of three-way... Love yep. triangle. Love triangle. Although, we did see Jamie and Cersei, like, totally macking on oh, in yeah. this episode. Yes, yes. And it's gross. It's so like, gross. I know they're yeah. actors who aren't related. No. They're, they're, two, they're two beautiful people, but in the show, they are related. And yeah, it's, and it's still gross. Like and we haven't and seen them kiss in a long time. No. No, like they, no we haven't, no. They've, I think, like, the first episode we saw since, them... No, 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 but remember, there's the whole thing with Joffrey's body and the whole... Oh, yeah, you know, that's right. Jamie yeah, okay. on Cersei yeah. and the Sept. Yes, yeah, oh, of course. Remember how that was the big outrage one season? Yeah. The next season... That seems so just, quaint now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just every season there's a... Every season there's a different yet. thing. There hasn't been one yet. Uh, no. Oh, no, there was, um, Walder was ripped apart by dogs and people got very, very angry about that. But not as angry as they have in the past. No. Because I think people have finally learned that it's Game of Thrones. Yeah. There's a certain level of stuff. And, you know, you could more narratively justify this one and all those sorts of things anyway. True. Point being, we saw Walder Frey. We did. And I, can I just say, 
I love seeing Walter Frey again. One, because I love that actor. He's great. David Bradley. David Bradley, who is in so AKA, many different things. So many different things. Always is the crotchety old man. Always is the crotchety old man. He does it so well. Slash suspected pedophile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, but there is a type. Which I guess technically he is in this one as well. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's, he's, he's always he a lecherous old man. He has a type. I feel kind of bad for him, but he does play it very well. Uh, but no, it's good. And it's good to see Walder Frey back because he's just such a great villain. He's he so villain. good. He's such a good villain. And you forget because we, we at the moment have to make do with Ramsey Bolton who is not a great villain, who is just a weird, psychopath, wide-eyed person. And so you mean more like a like a good, honest villain? A good, honest villain, damn it! A good, honest bad guy. Back in my day. just wants to stab people That's and right. have sex with many women. <laughs> exactly. He like, he's just nakedly a, a better class of villain. That's a fair point. And it was good that he's just telling off his sons. Telling off his sons and just doing, that, doing all that business. And, ranting, yeah. and he's clearly got a new wife who's yeah. even younger than the previous one. Yes, exactly, yeah. His teeny little wife looking scared. <laughs> and he's yelling and spitting in that way old men do where the dribble comes. And, appara- and apparently you were absolutely right that he doesn't seem too worried that his, that his daughter was ripped apart by, by dogs. Yeah, didn't even mention um, it. Didn't mention it. Didn't enter Does his plans. Has it come up at all? Hasn't come up. Hasn't come up since. I'd like to collect money from everyone based on that one. There's no way he was ever going to care. And, yeah. I mean, maybe he hasn't heard. It's possible possibly, he hasn't possibly. heard. Possibly. But why but yeah, would he care? Didn't, didn't come up. Didn't come up. He's very concerned, though, that he's lost uh, River Run. Yeah, because people are going to laugh at him. Yeah. And and that's been a defining trait of his since the beginning. He's He cares deeply about what other lords... Being snubbed yeah. and being... Ignored yes. and having to kiss people's boots and yeah. parts beyond. Exactly. Uh, so I am looking forward. I hope we actually get to see the blackfish. The blackfish should be great, and they don't just talk about and it. it. Was, what he you did, do see? He said, he said that you know he was at the red wedding, and you let him go out, and then we couldn't hunt him down. So they they do make it explicit what happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. which was good. It was good to find that out because that's what I'd always theorised mm. had happened: is the blackfish had gone, shit's going down, yep. cut a few Better throats, get out of here. grabbed yep. a horse. Bolted. Bolted, gone. But it was nice to have it confirmed. No, that's right, exactly, yeah. Um, but we do see Ed Mutelli. Yes. Who the, I was very excited to see again. I'm like, oh, wow, Ed Mew's here. My wife, who was watching with me, was like, who, who's that? Like, <laughs> and that seems to be... Yeah. <laughs> You've got to follow along, yeah. people. You've got to follow along. Well, two and a half seasons. It's been two and a half seasons since yeah. we've seen that guy. Can I just um, say, that actor is Tobias Menzies. It is. He's and been I a lot have of stuff. actually met him. Oh, you have, that's right. Yeah, he is a dear friend. He is a dear friend of one of my dear friends yes. in London and was staying with them while we stayed with them at yeah. one point. And this is like probably 10 years ago now. So mm. it was pre Game of Thrones. And I think he'd just been in Casino Royale. So he All was, right. He was M's Money Penny before when before she had a male Money yeah, exactly, Penny yes. in Casino Royale. So, yeah, I just want to drop that name. Just drop that name with a thud. He would not know who I was. So. <laughs> Anything like that, but I just want to put it out there. Mm. And now it's out there. And now it's out there. So <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, the idea that I could potentially one day meet Jon Snow is maybe not so far-fetched. It's not so far-fetched. You know, I know someone who knows someone who works on the show who might say, you know, I'm just saying it's a small world. It's story. out there. It's out there. 
And I do what want would you to... do? What would you do if you ever got a chance to meet Kit Harrington? Now, this is the problem because I suspect that I probably actually wouldn't like Kit Harrington at all. <laughs> have you I, seen? I, I've, today... seen, I've seen interviews with him. Well, I haven't seen. Today. Oh, I'm what sure. Look, I'm yeah. sure he would be lovely, and I'd probably, you know, faint or go. <laughs> but I've always been the kind of person who much more loves the characters as yes. opposed to necessarily yeah. the actors. And today he's come out in an interview or there's been this interview reported with Kit Harrington and God knows if he was taken out of context or whatever, but he's basically talking about how he feels, you know, that there is sexism or objectification on men in Hollywood. Yes. And just if I can just speak to that for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly clearly I objectify Jon Snow. Yes. In many and varied ways. You're, you're, you're sitting in a giant glass house as you make this, this argument, but yes. Look, as I've always tried to say, I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> sexist. I'm all about, okay, let's have boobs, mm. but let's also have wang. That's right. You know, let's let's have equal opportunity ogling chances. Yes. Equal opportunity ogling opportunity. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Mm. And if I want to settle on, you know, being a bit obsessed with Jon Snow, I feel that that's my right to do that. Now, um, how do I say this in a dignified, no, how do, how do I say this in a way that's not going to get me shot? He is wrong because <laughs> he is not being, a, there's a difference between being sort of objectified and lusted over mm. and still having power in that relationship. Yes. Yeah. Which he has. Absolutely. He's, you know, one of the most famous actors on the planet right now, one of the hottest young things. Yes. He has a lot of power and yes, people want him to take his shirt off and look broody and have his beautiful hair. But in the end, everyone's coming to him and going, oh my God, oh my God, Kit, you got to, oh my God, Kit, you got to do this, you got to do that. <laughs> For random chicken Game of Thrones who got her boobs out and did a sex scene, mm. like they're not in the same position as... No. No, you know, like not. Amelia Clark, fair enough. She gets kudos for when she's appeared nude or she was topless in that yeah. scene a couple of weeks ago. And that's great. But it's not like, I don't, I, I just, it's, it's not the same. Like the power structures of society where Hollywood is still mostly run by men. Sure. With the best parts going to men with men making decisions and, and creating movies that are aimed at an audience of men or teenage boys, actually, you know, that's who is catering. Yes. This show is catering to, you know, John, he's, and it's quite, it's quite telling. And I haven't seen the interview, so I don't know. I just read, I was just reading a couple of versions. I I, I saw it. I saw a headline today and I was like, well, I'm not clicking on that. He's basically (laughs) (laughs) basically saying, you know, I like to think of myself as more than just hair and, you know, Eyes or yeah, whatever. sure. I I feel like <laughs> it, it feels like a, it feels a bit you, disingenuous. You think you think you, you think whatever you want, sweetie. You think whatever you want. <laughs> you just think whatever you want. But what I, I'm not, he's still got power in. Yeah, absolutely. His, he absolutely does his role. It? Like yeah. we haven't had him totally stripped and showing his bottom and his junk. No. Every episode. Like we haven't had that. It's you know we no exactly we're lusting after him in a way that is the, the socially sanctioned the way that girls lusted after Frank Sinatra or the Beatles or yes. yeah exactly. you know yeah. The, the way that it's so much more acceptable for women to be groupies than it ever is for men. That's right, and, it, and it, it's telling to me. And like I said, I haven't seen his exact comments, but it's telling that he's reacting so strongly to this because he's actually experiencing like a small fraction of what most 
females in the public yeah. spotlight undergo yeah. on a daily basis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's copying a small and very polite sort yeah, of version exactly. it's like, of, of what most women have to go through if they're in the public eye all the time. Yeah. And he's like, this is a bit weird. I'm, I'm a bit freaked out by this. And he's not wrong if no. that's what he's saying. But it's telling that even a small fraction of that is enough to set him off. What must most women go through when, you know, they're in the public eye, you know, and they just have to endure this stuff and it's just expected that they're going to be a sex object. That's yeah. just, it's just part of it because, yeah. you know, you're putting yourself out there, aren't you? That's, that's what I'm trying to get at yeah. with that. And, you know, so I, he sort of landed himself in a little bit of, I think the phrase is, oh, he's crying those manly, manly tears. You know? <laughs> and it. It's so hard being pretty right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's, that's the thing. It's just I'm, I mourn for you having all yeah. these women. Like, you just don't get it. It doesn't happen the other way around. Think about this. The men in any kind of field where they get regard or any kind of field where men excel, there's generally a groupie fandom for them. Yes. So yeah. you get Neil Gaiman, for example, a writer, <laughs> has a massive trail of yes. groupies and fans and women who love him and, he, and all he that did. Sort of stuff. He did. There was actually, there was an Onion article um, a, a few years ago now that said um, the premise of it was um, woman seeks advice after finding out she's not sexually attracted to Neil Gaiman. <laughs> and like that, it had become such a cliche by that point that yeah. the Onion was doing articles about it. So, so And you get, you know, you get... Celebrity chefs who are men yes. who, who get much more. And okay, look, Nigella, clearly. Um, but that's everyone loves Nigella. Everyone is sexually attracted to her. <laughs> that's, that's right. And you, dare, you, I, gayest, dare I... The gayest of gay men dare I go there. Dare I throw it out there that that's part of her, part of what she has cultivated herself in oh, that, yeah, in that situation. But the thing yeah. is, is that as a female comedy person, yes, yes, like yeah. male comedians get mm. women going. Hi, oh, you're funny. I like you. I'll sleep with you. Female, and I've heard. Do they? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. I'm going to open mic right now. This right. is what I'm saying. Like stand-up comedians are narcissists and horrible, and yet can still <laughs> get girls going. Okay, I'll sleep with you. You've been on the project. <laughs> Judith Lucy and uh, Denise Scott have talked about this in a very funny way. And Judith Lucy mm. said that she never had anyone crack onto her by the fact that she's a comedian and had a, a guy come up and go, I'm said, You're just really a huge funny. fan yeah. and you're so funny and I'll, hey, would you like to get a drink? Or she mm. said, It doesn't happen. And and I think younger female comedians have sort of said, reflected this. Or if it does, it's a, a tiny fraction of what males, comedians, if you can string a mm. few sentences together and look half decent, you can pick up big time. But if you're a female in that thing, yeah. and if you are a female sex object, you're getting much more aggressive, you know. Super aggressive. I'd, yeah. I'd do her. I'd do, you know, it's a much more, it's not like a, oh, I love her so much. I just want to be swept away by her. You know, it's not like how I talk about Jon Snow, which is, oh, I'm no. going to stroke his abs. And, yes. then, and yeah, okay, I, I get a bit aggressive. That's fine. But <laughs> it's in a loving way that basically... That's right. And it's, giving, a, it's, in a very, it's a very benign way as well. Yeah, like, and it's me giving power to him. Like, he's calling the shots in our relationship, yeah. Stu. <laughs> Clearly, because if, yes. he's not returning my calls. Uh, so he has all the power here. He has all the power. You have here. all the power here, John. He has Sorry. all the power here because it's all in my mind. Whereas when it happens with like a guy, 
going, yeah, I'd do her. I'd do, you know, it's maybe it's just, I think people just accept that like we've lived in a world where generally men have been better off than women. Like it's not, that shouldn't be a controversial statement. It should statement. be a controversial thing. It, it is absolutely a thing. At the very least, you didn't have to die in childbirth. <laughs> like, at a fundamental biological level, yes. when antibiotics are not yet 100 years old, mm. just just think about it like that. If, you, if you're a woman, you were probably at more risk of dying from childbirth. Well, 100% more risk yeah. than a dude. <laughs> now, okay, okay. Men were in armies and had to fight in wars. I knew you were going there, yes. I totally get that. Sure. That is absolutely true. Mm. But you know who else suffers in wars? (laughs) Women. Like women do. Yes, exactly. And, and... Especially, especially on the losing side. Is what I'm saying. Tends to be a bad thing. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I just don't think it should be controversial to go, generally, world history has, has, uh, on the balance of things. Yes. You know, there are obviously exceptions. Sucked for women. It's sucked for women. Mm. A little more than it sucked for men. That's right. By and large, it sucked for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Except a privileged free. Up until few. up until very recently, and only in certain parts of the world, just living your life in the planet has, has been pretty bad. Yeah, it's been rubbish. Yeah, yeah. to be honest. We're, we're pretty we're pretty lucky that we were born where we were. Absolutely. At this time in history. Absolutely. You know, for mo- for the vast majority of human history, they didn't have anaesthetic. Yeah. You know, like that's a big thing. Yeah, that's you know, a massive thing. So, if you, something went wrong and they had to soar off a bit of you, yeah. they did that while you were awake. Yeah. They gave you a twig to bite down on and say, hey, here you go. Or they gave you like a few nips of whiskey beforehand exactly. to help dull the pain. Yeah. So, just putting it out there that maybe Kit Harrington probably should be careful what he says because <laughs> he might, in, you know, inspire. I, like, I do agree. He, I wholeheartedly and, agree. But, you know, I, I do get where he's, as I think you put it best, he's receiving a minor fraction of what yeah, he, a lot he of is, women get yeah, negatively. He is definitely a sex object. I feel like he has re- he's reacted quite negatively to that for some reason. Probably because um, he wants to be an actor. He wants to be an actor, but... I'm more than just Jon Snow, and it's like, okay, sweetie. You, off you okay, go, yeah. You, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you yeah, need to say yeah. to get you... Give us, a, give us a twirl, give us a twirl. Yeah, All right, just, awesome. Okay, and just, and just close... Yep. And close and shut There we off. go. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> I'm a horrible sexist. But, I, you know, it all comes from a place You're an equal of... opportunity ogler. Yeah, exactly. I'll ogle anything. Talking of ogling, let's go and look at Regency England. Birthed <laughs> anew at Horn Hill, the estate of the Tarleys. Yes. And we always knew that Sam came from a noble family. A noble family. But wow. But a loaded family, apparently. Wow. Yeah, exactly. I get the sense that they're around that high garden kind of area, because he mentions being south of the Riverlands. So yeah, they, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly where they are. It's all very are, verdant yeah. and... Yeah, they, they, had to, they had to go on a ship to get there, which implies they went quite a distance. And then they were in a carriage. Well, because they're going to Old Town, so, and apparently it's near there. Oh, so okay. that's quite far south. High Garden is further yeah, south. It's further yeah. south as well. Yeah, so, so that sort of area. Very much in the south of Westeros, um, you know, lush green mm. places, very rich. Looked warm. Yeah. It looked inviting. Yeah. You know, certainly didn't look like winter had arrived there. <laughs> if anything, it was a mild autumn. That's, that's right, exactly. And and Gilly's, it's like nothing Gilly's ever seen. Like yeah. she's lived north of the wall her entire life. Her, her world is... But let's not tell anyone that. No. 
Except, except they plan. except they pull the trigger on that one almost immediately as soon as as soon as they have a a meeting with his dad. Who I did you also think that it was going to be? Um, oh, Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Did you think it was going to be no, Ian McShane? Because I, I, I thought it was going to be Ian McShane. I didn't and think Ian that McShane is in this. He's season. in this series, but he hasn't turned up yet. So <gasps> you know who he'll be. Who he'll be? He'll be one of like in charge of the Maester Center. Maester. <laughs> Maestery. Maesterhood? Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Maester? Grand Maester? Hmm. Great, great, grand Maester? Tenth Dan Grand Maester? That's who he'll be. I'll betcha. Because he's got to be someone who hasn't shown up yet. Yeah. So it would make sense that to be... That would be, be the, the logical thing. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I didn't think it would be in McShane. That could have worked, but I liked the guy they had. He was very... Yeah, he, he did exactly he what he was meant Taiwan-esque. to do. esque Yes. But, but even more so. But like he was ruder. very... Yeah. But his, the rest of his family were great. Yeah, like, his mum was amazing, and his yeah. sister was gorgeous, and his brother was even... Even his brother seemed quite nice. Yeah. Seemed quite nice. He was just he, sort of He didn't appear to be a, a complete dick like his yeah, dad. exactly. And I said this in my recap. How did a place like Horn Hill survive all these wars? <laughs> and Well, this is the thing. I, I like it is such a little bubble of country Because there's, there's plenty of... Like, the, the show, I think, doesn't give us a good sense that Westeros is huge. And there's lots of these places where a battle was never fought. Yeah, true. And so the war never really reached them. Like they had to send people away to fight, but they never fought a battle there. Like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been touched by the war. It just sort of keeps going merrily along. Yeah. Like most of the major houses sort of keep going merrily along, except the ones that are shattered mm. to pieces. You know. And they very much look at Gilly as an incredible oddity. Because obviously they think initially that she's just from the she's north. She's from the north. And so she's learnt to hunt and do all that sort yeah. of thing. And woohoo! I made oh. hunting. Oh. Yeah, it was just so bizarre to all of a sudden have this very Jane Austen style dinner <laughs> with the disappointing prodigal son and the yes. overbearing father mm. figure and the, you know. It, I, it was very, it was very Regency. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was just <laughs> such a, a wonderful but strange. Yes. A little bubble to exist in for yeah, an episode. Great. And of course, it, they couldn't even get through one meal without Randall Tarly laying into Sam. And Sam just kind of, he just sort of was leaning more and more over. Like, he just sort of he slumped about down, to, yeah. About to crash his face into his plate. <laughs> just as the dinner progressed, he got, he got further and further, yeah. sort of slumped over and And stopped and eating. Mm. And, oh. But he's just so mean. And it, it just makes me wonder, how did, how did he get such a nice wife? And yet be oh, so mar- cruel. marriages, that's, that's fine. True, true. And, but he seems to actually love his wife because he, he says that he'll take Gilly into the kitchens yeah. to work. as a She's a wildling, mm. so, but he will let her work in the kitchens because as a favour to his wife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't get the impression that he's a monster. He's just, you know, he's it, just it, it happens. Asshole. He's just an asshole. And, you know, fathers being assholes to sons who don't live up to their standard of, you know, manliness that that's a very common thing that's not a an uncommon thing at all and and obviously his younger brother does live up to all of randall tarley's yeah. ideals because they go hunting and everything else together they probably have a great old time but then sam comes take back down and just... deer from 70 pieces exactly and i mean the mother and i miss their names but the sam's mother like Asking to hold baby Sam. And yeah, all that stuff. It's great. It's gorgeous. It's just so nice. None and, of it matters because no, no, what, we're, what we're there for is the sword that's hanging on the Yeah. Mountains. So there was this, the beautiful <laughs> scene in the four-poster bed and Sam says, I have to leave. You know, father will let you stay and yeah. let baby Sam stay, but I have to go and never come back. So bye, Gilly. It's, it's, it's best this way. And sort of walks out and then she's like, oh, tucking 
baby Sam in, and then he just storms back in, going, like, "Nope, nope. <laughs> we're going. Get your thing." Changed my mind. And it's great. It's like <clears throat> Sam being so feisty, being assertive because yeah. He, you know, he can be quite he can be quite assertive when he needs to be. It's just that, you know, he's normally such a meek person that he doesn't really stand up for himself. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's like, No not only am I going and I'm taking you and I'm I'll work out how we deal with the old town and the no women policy. Yeah. We should be together and we're always together and we'll stay together and then I'm taking this sword. Yeah. Because it's mine, damn it. I'm taking it with me when I go. <laughs> and w- won't your father come for it? And he says, oh, you can bloody well try. Yeah, it was that so was great. And it was just, because this is the thing, it's a Valerian Steel sword. Obviously, Sam knows that Valerian Steel works against White Walkers. Yes. And, and I've he seen knows at least, he'll be going back to the wall at some point. That's right. So now he has a Valerian Steel sword, and I've seen at least one person sort of sort of half-jokingly say, Sam is Azora High! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Azor Hazai so, have to kill his true love or well, something? Yeah. So we well, don't hey, want that to happen. No, we don't want that to happen at Gilly all. Is, Gilly is lovely. And all cleaned up for a change. You're like, oh, <laughs> that? oh, that's Gilly. I can see her face. That's right. Not just three layers of dirt. I think we've reached the end of the podcast. We have talked about not only everything in this show, but in in many other uh, parts of life. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I think have... we've sold sexism. Sold sexism. Absolutely. Not, not sold sexism. I think we've sold sexism. <laughs> Maybe that's what we did do. Sexism. That's it's lot, fantastic. That's what a lot of people accuse Game of Thrones of doing. It but, is true. You know. But I think I think it was an interesting episode. I thought they definitely ended it on Danny's dragon speech. Yeah. To give it a bit of punch at yeah, the end. Yeah, a bit of fire. But I honestly thought a better ending to the whole episode would have been Arya blowing out that candle in the cellar. Yeah, it was I interesting. I think that would have been a really nice little low-key way to end what was a, overall a low-key little episode. Mm. Just sort of to end on her finally taking some agency in her storyline because she's moving forward. She's got this confrontation coming, but for now, the candle goes out. Credits. Mm. I thought that would have been really cool. That but instead, cool. instead we've got a roaring dragon, which is always welcome as well. And you can't really put, like, the, the, the candle out worked well elsewhere in the episode, but yes. if you put the roaring dragon anywhere else, it would have Oh, no, no, exactly, yeah. Weird. It was obviously an end scene. Like, yeah. you see Drogon roaring and, yeah, that was, that was definitely the he's end of the episode. Now. He got big. He got big again. Like, he's Massive. gotten even bigger. I had a great time recording the podcast, as always, Stu. Hmm. So... To everyone listening, thank you so much. Cheeseburgergothic.com is where you can find the recaps. You can join in the Facebook fun, uh, facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne and patreon.com slash girl clumsy if you want to join in the Patreon stuff. And thank you so much to everyone. We are getting a new microphone, which is part of the, the pledge thing that I put up there if we make a certain amount. So we've mm. got the we've got that coming. And then, yes, just got a Dothraki beat poem I've got to write. <laughs> Still coming. Waiting for inspiration. Still coming. Waiting for a good chunk of time when I'm not binge watching another Netflix show. Well, yes, exactly. Uh, but no, it's been great. And I look forward to next week when hopefully we'll see some more Tormian. Oh, we'll yes. see some more Jon Snow. We'll see some Sansa, some Arya. How many episodes have there been with no Jon Snow in them? There's been a couple. There's normally It's like rare a- though, right? Yeah, but there's normally one per season. Yeah, that's I sort guess. of set. Like, say, Battle of Blackwater was all set yeah, in that's true. King's Landing. So there was a lot going on in that one. There wasn't a lot going on in this one. Well, there was a lot, but they're like, it's not big showy stuff. It's like little behind the yeah. scenes, moving stuff. Anyway, and I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I liked it. Was, it. it was good. It was a it was pleasant good. episode pleasant of a episode. show that we love. 
Allowing us to not have our hearts torn apart again. Exactly. For a second. Because we need a break. <laughs> Which means, what have they got coming next week? No, don't say that to <laughs> Last time I said that, uh, Hodor died. Yeah, exactly. Stop <laughs> saying that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and we will see you again next week. And as we always like to say, Valamogulas! Winter is coming. <laughs>